Dr. Bird, I almost had a full-blown blitzkrieg today. James! Do you know what set off the panic attack this time? Why does my heart... As Dr. Freud said, we are never so defenseless against suffering as when we love. Welcome, everybody. This is Sean Smith, and this is Iambic Poetry Podcast Presents Real Poetry, where we talk about movies and reviews of poetry or poet movies that you should know that you may not know about. I'm here once again with my two popcorn snatchers, Marvin and Auntie Vice. Say what up. Woo! What up? And this one we're about to do of today's topic is going to be on the movie that... It's it's jumbled up, but it's it got released in January 13, 2021. But they keep saying it's a 2020 movie. Go figure. The movie is called Dr. Bird's Advice for Sad Poets. This movie stars Lucas Jade Zuman, uh Taylor Russell, um, Jason Isaac, and Lisa El- Eldenstein. And some co-features was David Arquette was in this movie and Lily um, Lily Donahue she played Sophie or no, she, uh, not Sophie she played um, the sister uh, jo- um, Jory and if you know about Lisa if you ever heard of Lisa um, um, Edendine, Edendine, Edendine she actually played in House she was um, House's assistant so the uh, no, 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 no. she was. I don't think she was House's assistant. I think she was the head. Oh of no, medical. she's the, yeah, she was the head one. Yeah, yeah, she was the head medical. Yeah, one. she she pretended herself as the uh, stern but romantic love interest to House. Yes, they always had little, little issues. And then, um, if to the name, if Jason Isaac should be a name, he played he played in most of the um, um Harry Potter movies. As big, uh, he played um Lucian. Uh, um, Lucian Malfoy. Uh-huh. Lucius Pal- Luci- Lucius Malfoy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so basically, on the yeah, I remember because he had the white hair and he was, yeah, he was the, the son. Main yeah, he was the antagonist. He was the son of. He was the uh, father. He was of, the father um, of the main antagonist. Yeah, yep. yeah. So yes, and he also played Captain Hook on Peter Pan. So he he has a he has a good run of some movies that he played into. Anyway, this movie here, the synopsis of this movie is a 16-year-old boy who has some mental illnesses, tries to figure out he's having having his own panic attacks, his depression, and total breakdowns, trying to struggle through school. He has a situation where he his sisters left him and left school and left his house entirely. And he gets to the point where he wants to go on an adventure and try to find her. I'm wondering why she left. But he brings along uh, his love interest that gave him an um, idea of saying, hey, if you know your sister writes poetry, if you can give one, me one of her poems, I could put in the new, I could put in the new, um, our latest um, literary magazine. 
and you can help me out. So he takes it into his chance. Well, if I can't, I can't find the book, maybe I can find her along with this. So they go on an interesting journey trying to figure out what happened to his sister. And it goes through more of the fact that he's also has in his mind, since his father can't afford a therapist, he made one up called Dr. Bird. Using a lot of Walt, Whitman, Walt Whitman's um, poetry um, inserts along the line from the book, Leaves the Grass. Leaves of Grass. Initial thoughts, Marvin? I don't know. I thought this film was very strange in its way it presented itself. I thought that it was juvenile, but overall, after some reflection while the scenes played out, while the main character explored his own mental needs, I actually wound up enjoying this. A lot of what he does is, I mean, while he presents himself to be the youngest of two children, he pretty much associates himself as all but a single child without saying it, <laughs> making up an imaginary child, the cries for help where to parents who don't quite understand him. I mean, I, I really didn't like this film. I thought it was good. It had a very romantic notion to it, especially when it they use Walt Whitman as a literary base. Hmm. A device? I adored this film. It, oh. it brought together the parts that I re some of my favorite filmmakers, it's like they put Baz Luhrmann and the guy who wrote and directed Scott Pilgrim versus the world oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, with a touch of er early, early David Lynch in a blender and then blended it all up and threw in Walt Whitman at the end for some spice. And it was darling. It was so good and so postmodern and such a teen romance that I absolutely adored this movie. What I will say that I really did like the best about this is obviously this was a movie set in the modern era, but they did wind up giving it such a 1920s old world view where smartphones didn't even feel like they belonged in this world without making it making it seem obvious that you can use a smartphone for something. I don't know how to explain it. Like a lot of movies tend to have that issue, but this movie didn't seem to have it. This movie was based off the 2013 book of the same name. Uh, the gentleman, the person who wrote it was named is Evan Roscoe. And he made, that book had a good, a good review on it. And he and it was explained that they actually, for the first half, they actually used majority of the book of the book itself for the um the character driving and everything else. In the first half, they used most of the book. I mean, they had a couple of changes, but majority of the book was used in this movie. Um, so let's go over some thoughts and stuff. Um, what did you feel that? So there are some parts here that. I enjoyed a lot, and there's a lot of stuff that made me kind of question. Stuff I enjoyed. Stuff I enjoyed on this movie was not only the point of um, him having a crush and then bringing in the whole how, but also his friend, Quamaine. His friend who is almost like his, as he kept on telling him, it's like, we are, we are not friends I am actually, you're my social experiment. You're paying me to help you. Like, really? 
<laughs> and everything that Kwame, even though Kwame, as they point out, even though his family divorced, he's you know he's Nigerian. He he came to this country. He keep, he kept on trying to make himself a little more like he's a badass. But it, even and he was and um, uh, James was this local stooge, was basically a sidekick. But it kind of gets reversed every time. Even when they went to the um, the Barons, uh, um, course, uh, croquet club, uh, champagne social. They kept on pointing out. The Croquet Club Champagne Social. And even the Baron himself had it. He, he was a, he was coming, he would kind of, he kind of tried to become this upper class, I'm rich, but you find out later that he really is not. He's kind of a facade. Mm, I feel like that's very representative of high school. Mm-hmm. Everybody, everybody tries to be someone they're not quite yet, act older than they are. Mm-hmm. And sometimes they pull it off, sometimes they don't. And what both boys did in this movie, the Baron and Kwame, mm-hmm. was very representative of that. And I think in the Baron's case, eh, kind of cringy, obviously. I think purely because this, like anything else in real life, you can tell when someone's really faking it a little too hard and when the other one is not so much. What do you think about it, Antibike? <laughs> I think the the author and then the people who translated it to the screenplay really understood teen development, mm. and they do it with such a subtle hand, you don't even necessarily recognize it, because they bring in things like getting roofied and getting drunk at parties and all of these things that kids do, but it doesn't feel heavy-handed at all. They blend it into this beautiful storytelling, and each one of the characters is trying to figure out who the hell they are, which is what you do in high school, is you try to figure out who the hell you are, right? And you're very sure at any given moment who you are is exactly who you're presenting um, and who you want to be. And then, you know, three months later, it's totally something different. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they got the beauty of that and how teens romanticize different areas. Like you've got the hipster who shows up in oh, his yeah. fucking hipster beard <laughs> and hipster pants, and it's oh, like, oh my god, you you know you know there are Gen Zers doing that. Like that was so great. And then you know the putting on airs or the you know overly innocent ingenue role that you know one of the girls was taking, and. They're all seeking connection and to figure out who they are, but they do it really beautifully in the storytelling. And they also really understood mental illness as somebody who's had hallucinations and had hallucinations in high school. Like, I'm like, yep, I totally understand it. He knows the bird's not there, but he's not ready for it to leave and he wants to talk to it. And like, the bird makes it. Like, I had my turtles. And my philodendron man. And, you know, sometimes I still miss them. And mm-hmm. they really. He, they nailed that aspect of mental illness, just and, and the fighting it, the not wanting to be sick, but knowing you need help. Mm. And I think they really nailed that. And you know, they did a beautiful job portraying the the domestic violence that went on in this movie. Again, not overly heavy-handed, but having him rethink it at the end of how he had formed the story because of certain things his mother had said, mm-hmm. and then rethinking it and seeing it in a different light, which again happens when you grow up in a shitty household mm-hmm. and you start to get some perspective on it. You start to learn that there's multiple sides to the story and understand it. And I think 
the writing in this that went into the character development was really wonderful. And I like the bird therapist. I kind of want the bird therapist. <laughs> oh yeah, the bird therapist was uh, pretty rad. Dr. Yeah, Bird. the bird therapist. And they inter- they incorporated Whitman's poetry beautifully, mm-hmm. wonderfully. Yeah. It, it did it did bring some um old um Harry Potter-ish um um scenes where you know the the word the words would come out of nowhere and you just see him mm-hmm. as in, you know it's in his mind he's seeing these words off his mind and mm-hmm. he's like oh so even when he was trying to get ready to kill himself or drown himself he saw it on the water it's like oh mm-hmm. he's 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 seen this before i thought it was funny when he got caught a couple of times because he said words that he was thinking yeah <laughs> like like when he got caught saying beautiful it's like what or when he called when he called out the her boyfriends, well, what's up with your hippie your hippie pants? I hate your stupid hipster pants. That's <laughs> what he pants. said in the movie. Yeah. And haven't we all wanted to say that aloud when we've been in a bar in the last five years? Yeah. Sometimes we said it. <laughs> it's just what's up with your hippie pants. Like, oh, what'd you say? Like, oh, did I say that aloud? Crap. <laughs> um, one thing that cracked me up. Another thing was um. Uh, David Arquette's character, him him running an actual cult, and seeing how that uh, that how that played out, it was it was funny seeing that he was you know there, but him being a cult leader, it's like you know you just kind of it just kind of just vaguely made me go, oh that's David Arquette. <laughs> well, it, really? it, it was good cast. It was it had to be him or one of the Gyllenhaal brothers, like <laughs> Gyllenhaal. <laughs> You know, no, I actually agree with that. Mm-hmm. It's just you know, some. I mean, I don't know if it, t- it didn't take him out of his character, you know, his his, his, ab- his ability to be a character actor, but it didn't. It didn't. It, but it did upgrade some of his um his abilities. Like, oh, okay, it's like it's like I didn't know she's seventeen. I mean, just the love of. Oh, I love it. He breaks. He's yes. like, wait, what? Just to be clear, for legal purposes. <laughs> And I'm like, that is such a cult leader move. It's just oh no, absolutely. That got to break up my uh, character acting just to save myself before the grand finale of my cult. Uh-huh. <laughs> and even the cult themselves, you know, emphasizing words that he says. Like Out my a- eye! Out my <laughs> eye! <laughs> it was a, it was a, it was a worthy, a worthy cause. Um, Sophie, Sophie's other than is Sophie Salinger, uh, or was it Sophie? It's a double S, yeah, Sophie something, but um, yeah, as you could tell, a lot of the stuff that was said, you know, name wise and stuff, they were all kind you can you can kind of see a poem being played out and everything is being talked. Some of the words he said, uh, uh, cro- croquette, um, croquette club. Um, champagne social that is itself can be used as, a, as a, a title to a poem i mean everything here was you can tell was he was trying to be poetic in everything he was doing when he was speaking you know when he said about it's when she touched me it's like ten thousand nuclear bombs went off <laughs> and it's like of all the things i thought in my head i expressed the word all that i could think of is, you're beautiful huh oh uh, well, and is his, his description of uh, you know falling in love so accurate of your first love? Yeah, like I think it's kind of like I said. I, what I really enjoyed about this movie was this was just a kid who clearly was just saying everything you would have expected a kid would say during his first love. 
would use really exaggerated words just to explain how he felt, kind of like Sharon said. Found like a ten thousand nuclear warheads went off. Yeah, I mean, or even the, or even his little say cliche of you got your cliche of beauty. What? Nothing. <laughs> well, and the the sweet awkward awkwardness of things like can we make sex? Like <laughs> not knowing how to ask her. Yeah, it was just mm-hmm. they really captured that point in childhood and in your development and with the, all the complexities of it they didn't oversimplify right, right? so yeah I, I quite enjoyed it i did enjoy like you pointed out that like scott pilgrim how he had a lot of inner monologuing but also a lot of um moments of being awkward in front of his love interest but also trying to figure out well how do i keep my love interest because even he had that issue where she basically told him straight up like when i get my poem that I think that'll be the end of our that'll be the end of our journey. He said, "Wait, but what, what do you mean it'll be the end of us? It'll be the end of us. What do you mean you be the? He, he was panicking, and concerned. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean it's gonna be the end of us? Tell me, what's the me? And he, she's just driving along. It's like, I need to know. Are you sure? Well, I also well, like. I, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Marvin. Say, one of the things oh, I like sorry. about about that and with this Scott Pilgrim parallel, and you also see it in A Dirty Shame by John Waters mm. is doing the words on the screen to emphasize certain things. And it's kind of, it adds a whole nother level uh, of the way they do it. And it's very, um, I want to say Derrida, but I I think I'm wrong on that philosopher of how you approach and and convey, you know, with just a few words added to film to get it through. And I, I really like that trend in some of these alternative films. Um, For me, it was more the pacing of Scott Pilgrim, too, that was parallel of this, where you're going through it, and there's these these drawn out scenes leading up to something, and then really quick action, and then into a fantasy sequence. Um, you know, same with the, and then um, there's the the flashing back between, you know, what you're gonna do, and then into the fantasy sequence, oh, similar yeah. to Baz Luhrmann in uh, Moulin Rouge, wow. but less frantic than either of those um and I, I the pacing and the shifting in the cinematography i thought was fantastic mm-hmm. well this is definitely much more subdued compared to scott program if mm-hmm. anything obviously i mean Scott program was all flash whereas this one was more subdued this is definitely a child who's trying to be without trying to be definitely came off a little too pretentious but what i really really love this even without acknowledging it a lot of what the main characters drive him essentially the plot was pretty much focused on because of his love interests and essentially how he would do essentially anything for her and which is what any teenage kid at the time pretty much felt I would do anything and likely stupid shit just to get, oh, yeah. yeah. And it was and like, and like try as he might, even though he would say it was like, I'm trying to find Jory. I mean, and he did. And clearly this was probably a huge part of his core. It wasn't what drove him to get, do it. It had to be from his love interest. I think I think if he did find her, if she did leave her poetry book, that probably would have ended it. But since he couldn't find the poetry book, he had to find her instead. 
that's what kind of you know amplified the fact and even she wanted to go along with him and help him out that actually you know propelled the story to go further and further um being that the dad, the dad was codenamed the brute and you would you you know you know his little back and forth um uh changes of history where he'll think of something in the past what happened and what his man and the mannerisms and stuff and you you start understanding that the father wasn't trying to be as malicious and destructive as he thought because his mom kind of came a victim status and he ever he kind of took whatever the mom was you know would throw throw back at him but then even find out that the sister thought the same way he's not bad he's just troubled and uh, even even the characteristic of finding out that the mom is the one that wanted to do the sushi shop and his point was so who what customer is going to trust a caucasian sushi maker <laughs> I'm glad, the movie, I'm glad the movie mentioned it before I could say something dumb. W- tell me, what person would trust a sushi chef that is white? Much like, much like a Chinese person would trust Mulan oh, 2020 who, with a woman who is white who directed it. Well, did you trust? Did you trust? Um, did you trust Doctor Strange when you found out that the Tibetan woman was was the Irish one? Was the Irish oh, white woman? Abso- oh, absolutely not. I don't trust the movie where there's a white savior. Doesn't mean it's any less fun. Still, do not trust the movie with the white savior. No one asked for a white savior. I'll put that as a hashtag. <laughs> don't trust the white saviors. <laughs> well, it's kind of like it's it's like the J. Cole song. Don't save her. She don't want to be saved. <laughs> Well, I, I learned that from Captain Sabo, but you know, uh, all the everyone learns there from their own little thing. Um, so, in the, so I'm gonna go in the part. I'm gonna fast forward a little bit. So, he had a few. He had a few moments of outbursts where I'm not saying mental this kind of took took hold, but it kind of got it kind of got more and more amplified. One one scene when he's when. His dad is trying to, you know, just tell him that like, you like this girl, you know, tell her how you feel in this and that, but you no, know, don't, but hold some of that stuff down. Don't talk about the family or this, that's hold some of that stuff down, you know, eat it, eat it or something. He's like, I, I can't. And it got to the point where he even looked at Dr. Bird and he's like, I don't think I'm a, I should be alive. And he's like, what, what, where, where are you going? Where are you going? Where are you going? And he actually was going, going into the water. And if it wasn't for a call from the Baron, he would have basically been in there. Well, and I love the fact that in the middle of trying to kill himself in the water, he still answers his cell phone, which he was made to <laughs> keep above the water line, which yeah. is so teenage suicide. Like, <laughs> I'm going to hold the cell phone to the very last minute. And then I, I, I have very much a cry for help. But I think this movie did uh-huh. well what a lot of mo- other movies can't do well, especially when something as big as heavy with as mental health illness. Well, this didn't have a fairy tale ending. And very much even in the end, he didn't get the girl, his sister didn't come back home, but his perspective certainly has changed regarding the brute and his mom. His need to continue to get better is now at the foremost of his needs. And like he even explains, he's thankful for, for all these little things, even though he and Sophie don't get together, he's thankful for first love he's thankful for girls who wear short skirts who are still trying to figure themselves out he's thankful for all these little nuances of life it's well, well that, 
and it, it's it's so great that the the female protagonist has boundaries, mm. and she's like, no. It's not okay. And I don't want to be with you. And she's still this darling teenage girl, but she knows herself well enough to have boundaries and model that. And I love that about this film. Mm -hmm. When, when the third, the third episode was when he finally went to the city with her and he found his sister even though she, even though um, Sophie was scared, you know, she was, she was getting to the point where I don't want to be here. And he was like, I'm going to keep going to the point where he had to let go of her hand and found his sister dancing. And his sister, her sister, you know, I don't know if she was in a, you know, a, a trance or whatever the heck from the music or whatever, but I think she kind of figured after the redhead guy comes out of nowhere, screams at her. And she and then she figures that's my brother. He 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 goes off, tries to kick the guy's ass. And she says, Stop, that's my brother. Sophie gets taken away from the the, the board, the um, bouncer. He goes into the room. They try to talk. He's wondering what's going on. Why are you not what, your dad's this, dad's that, dad's not that's not a problem. Well, then but you need to come home. And she's like, I don't need to be home. I can't. I left for a reason. And finding out that she was 17, I mean, she actually ran away. And you also find out that mom had involved in this. It, it's kind of it's kind of concerning of everything that's been said, you know, in the first half, how dad's this, how my sister's gone, how they everyone had an idea of what happened to her. And then you find out, you know, she wanted to change her name to Bianca. She used to be in a cult and she actually had this one, her barren friend helped her out, get this, um, this red hair guy. And so she can get out of the cult. She had a life of her own and then still wants to wait, wants to be away from time from the family and stuff to figure herself out that it basically pushed him to the edge where he actually left um, Sophie there. And, and that I ain't gonna, I, I think, I'm, I'm I'm interested to say what you think that was a turning point right there, or where you feel it was the turning point. What scene, what event was the turning point of this movie? Is that Marvin? No, I think that scene, and aside from the suicide scene, was very much the turning point. Um, here is a character who easily catastrophizes everything in his mind, and when his old notion, everything that he built up in his mind comes crashing down. That's kind of when he needs to face reality. His sister didn't need saving. He couldn't save Sophie. Sophie in the end, it turns out is telling him she can't be th that tether for him in the real world or be the, the solution for him regarding his own needs as a human being with his own issues. And again, I think that that's be because the writers really understood those type of relationships, mm -hmm. right? If you've grown up in a really abusive household, you either flee or you stay, and both present a whole set of obstacles then that you have to go through and process and come to an understanding. And the fact that this just flees, and she's clearly in an abusive relationship with the redheaded dude, and you know, she gets involved um, in sex work adjacent stuff is enormously typical mm 
of of that type of abuse and and trying to escape it at 17 and his need to try and make sense of this at 15 um and then the catastrophizing which comes with anxiety i mean that's that's what drives anxiety is you catastrophize everything and so it's somebody who has a really clear understanding of how different different personalities different mental health disorders different social situations impact the human condition um and i i think it's one of the deeper explorations we've seen uh in any of the films that we've watched even um yelling at the sky yelling in the sky that was pretty good and i would say same with um window horses mm-hmm. like but this is a really clear understanding of how people function with different challenges and i i really appreciate it uh i, I thought i was wondering if you appreciated did you appreciate the the back the back closet scene of the three guys coming out uh and one of them kind of wiping his mouth off and was like okay so they're still in the closet <laughs> <laughs> I've been to those high school parties. Uh, you know, I don't know what else to say about that, but yeah, yeah. I, mm-hmm. those were my prom dates. That's all I can say. <laughs> and even, or even the, or even the club scene, right? You, I, I don't think that was a, I think that was a, LG, I think that was an LGBT or a gay club and stuff Maybe. that they went through because maybe seem, or because it's only an alternative or goth yeah, alternative, or something yeah. along those lines. Right, and also, I don't think Sophie. Obviously, Sophie wasn't in, was not in any immediate danger. If anything, I think yeah. someone realized she was underage and took her out the club because that yeah. she was in a situation she didn't need to be. Right, and that's a good bouncer. Mm-hmm. That's a very good bouncer. That's a very good bouncer. Uh, get, someone slipped up. Time for me to do my job. Oh yeah, <laughs> he caught back. You're like, oh, whoa, hold up. <laughs> so, um, Doctor Bird. Being that you find out what Dr. Bird actually stood for, and at the end you find out that Dr. Bird himself was uh, a doll that was given to him by Jory when he was younger, when he was having bad dreams. And somehow Dr. Bird, it, I don't know if I should, you know, I feel like we should let the people find out more, but I'm going to say this one part. Dr. Bird's... Um, character you know his position in the whole movie it was almost as if he became his conscious voice it's almost like a jiminy cricket he became he, oh, he i mean even even james points out that he is just the manifestation of his super ego like he understood the role dr bird was playing in his hallucinations and it's a very freudian interpretation but it's accurate hmm. what about you marvin what do you think of dr bird oh no absolutely like i think it, dr bird was everything that james needed to be it, it, it was his comforting role in the same way that his sister gave him that little stuffed bird. And he has a romantic notion of Whitman in terms of how he wants to present himself in the world. And that bird quotes literally Whitman and speaks in a specific voice tone as a parental figure that he needs. It's everything that James at this point in his life in the movie quite clearly needs a a father figure who is able to comfort him and is able to communicate with him in a way that he wants and needs. Hmm. Well, I think that's a great way to segue to snap judgment. I believe 
Snap Judgment, where we rate and review the review that we have done for this movie here. And we go into snap increments. If it's three snaps, this movie gets all the accolades of its poetry in the streets. Those words that Sophie said, poetry in the streets. What did she say, like bump, bumper horn? I was like, what the heck is that? That's a, that's a wild, wild word. Bumper horn. I mean, good bumper horn. I'm like, what? Words in the streets. It's poetry in the streets. If it's two snaps, in the sheets. If it's two snaps, it's not that bad, but it's not that good. If it's one snap, this movie is as mantic or no, this movie is as low as a sister. No, no, you know what? This movie is a brute. <laughs> this movie is a brute. It's not as it, you just don't see it, but there's some bruteness. We go in quarter snack increments. We're going to close our eyes, count the three, and see what we rate. Dr. Bird's advice to sad poets. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, okay. This is an interesting one. Two threes and a two and two and a half snap. Oh man, not device. I think you and I are off sync. I know. I don't know what's good. Something's off in this world. I know. We uh, need a pigeon. It's probably because of global warming. It's probably because of that global is, warming. It is. Marvin, why did you give this movie two and a half? Honestly, I think we pretty much explained everything that was great about this movie. It explored the depths of mental health illness really well, especially for a teenage boy. It has a very far-reaching message, more so than a lot of other movies we kind of come across for specific individuals in for mental health, and it explains it very well with anxiety. I think the only thing I cannot get behind as well is just it was because it was Walt Whitman. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, now. that's a that's a that's a that's a per- why Walt Whitman was your. I don't know. I just feel like as a Chinese person, I look at Walt Whitman in the same way I look at Charles Bukowski. Sometimes it's like I get it; they're great poets and everything, but like and like that. But man, but it's only them. I am sick of hearing about Walt Whitman and Charles Bukowski. Hmm. Well, you on device? What gave you? What made you give this movie a three? I, I think it's incredibly well done. Not only all of the pros that we've talked about, but also the music. The musical director is fantastic. And the choices to use modern music, but do it through kind of a boy's choir and, you know, for certain pieces, the the pieces that they chose themselves. Uh, at one point when they're going into clubs, they take uh, one piece that Moby had done and then remixed it that was beautifully done that I loved the cinematography was great. Like there's, there's the editing was spot on. Like there is nothing I would have changed about this film. I thought it was a wonderful film. Hmm. So I gave this movie a three because out of a lot of our movies that we went through, this kind of went on, I wouldn't say a tangent, but it kind of went in a way where, it was understandable, like seeing movies like um, Scott Pilgrim, seeing um, Wonder Years, uh, the series Wonder Years, uh, to even the new version of the Wonder Years with the black with the black family. 
they and taking the narrative they would internalize and then also externalize how the narrative is. So it's like throwing in you. I would throw this in not only with um being a step above um yelling in the sky, but also with um I was trying to find the name of it too. Uh, was it um? Is it animals? Uh, we are animals. How we the animals? Yeah, we, we the animals. Film. How to take? It took a little bit of a piece of that, and even though you know the brother, even though he was on his, he was the only child looking for. Uh, even though he was the only child in this movie, he went on a venture. Same with their with the brothers. Kind of, we still are together, even though we are um growing up and we're getting apart. He understood that he was growing up without his sister, but he wanted to get his sister because he wanted, he needed that thing to fill the void. And he finds out later that unfortunately I can't, I can't help you. You're on your own, but you can do this. Just, and that, that actually brought in, a, actually, that actually gave me my little aha moment. Like, okay, it's, it's understandable. Even though he has, he still has his panic attacks, he still has his moments. This itself is just like everything else. You're going to be a phase and you're going to need to grow up. 3-3, That is an 8.5 out of 9 snaps. Pretty good for that. I'm, I am impressed. So, everyone else, check out more for more of our stuff. But right now, we're going to go through our social media. Marvin. Yeah, you can find me at starvingmarvin09 at hotmail.com. Starvingmarvin09 on IG. Really <laughs> hotmail? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I got to go back to classic emails. <laughs> and, and MySpace? Yeah, yeah. Oh, those were the times, man. MySpace. I was talking to on device about yeah, the the Gen Zs will never know about American online except they like talk to their grandma or something. Your thing is AOL.com, grandma. <laughs> Man, okay. One day at work, I was talking to a client and they said they was like at AOL.com. I was like, Man, that's an email I haven't seen, heard in a while. They still even, is that thing even like functional? Still functional. How, yeah. How's that email not riddled, riddled with viruses at this point? <laughs> Auntie Vice. <laughs> I'm Auntie Vice on most social media. You can also check me out on Fat Chicks on Top, which is my podcast streaming on all streaming services. So thanks for having me on. <laughs> and you can find me on I Am Big Zine. That is I A M B I C Z as in zebra I N E. And check me out more where we'll have some more podcast review um, poets coming in because next month. We're gonna bring some po- we're gonna bring some poets into the show, and maybe have one. Po- we're gonna have one um, film review. I'm looking right now for see which ones are in. But the, if you haven't seen it now, this whole month we have done four. So come back. We may have one. We might have one extra one for next month for next week. But I'm just gonna make it sure, just to know that we may not because I want to get a poet in. Because the beginning of, of August, I want to have poets for the rest of the week, rest of the month. But if you haven't checked back, check back our episodes, and you'll see each one talk about um, quarter life, quarter life poetry. Uh, uh, was uh, Sal- my Salinger years? Uh, this one here, 
and read, comment, and rate yourself so we can know which one you're interested in or even someone that you may know about. Okay? Okay. Take care, everyone. Peace, love, and hot poetry. Or hot August nights. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>